The Protectors of the Wood episode series, episode number six, Abby's Vision. Abby began walking around the central platform, coming closer and closer with each turn, like a spiral running inward. Eventually, she was walking next to the circular bench. She dared to look into the stone. It glowed in the blue light of her staff and seemed to draw her in. She kneeled on the bench, leaning over the marvelous smooth sphere like a planet before her. Shadows and darkness seemed to be all around her, and then the light of her staff shone like the moon. Suddenly she found herself in a narrow passageway made of dirt and stones and the roots of trees. She felt like a mole or a badger, an animal comfortable underground. But she was exhausted, straining to climb the steep way upward. A glow of golden light blinked far ahead, and in moments she rose up out of the ground, mapstick in hand, into a beautiful field in bright sunlight. The field was full of people of all kinds, wandering here and there, people of all ages and every walk of life, people who seemed familiar, but no one she knew by name. At a distance, a gigantic tree rose to the sky, a beech tree with gray bark, silver branches, and dark leaves, a tree much taller and broader than anything she had ever seen before. Enormous roots, like thick curving snakes, spread out across the field and disappeared deep into the earth. She had no idea how deep those roots went, or how high the tree grew into the endless sky. But the field itself seemed to have borders. It was not infinite. White walls were visible a long, long way away. Abby became aware that the mass of people, buying and selling, walking and running, playing and working, were somehow in distress. Many seemed angry or afraid, late and in a hurry, sick and struggling in pain, or lost and unable to find their way home. Many fell into large, angry throngs, clearly in conflict with each other. Children were shocked, timid and miserable. Storm clouds obscured the sun. The wind picked up. She tried to approach people, asking them what the trouble was. Discussions began that she did not understand. But as she listened, others came forward. And soon she was surrounded by people, young and old, looking for answers. The pressure of so many trying to voice their anger and despair forced her to back up. And in fear, she almost fled for her life. But some of those people nearby gathered around to protect her. They gave her a little space and allowed her to hold her ground. As the day darkened with ominous clouds and a damp wind, 
The map stick shone like a beacon that could be seen from a distance. Still more people moved closer, hoping to discover the secret of this eager gathering. Abby realized that listening was no longer enough. Something had to be done to organize this mob, or she and her small group of protectors would be crushed. On impulse, she began to move toward the tree. Her group caught on immediately and fanned out to lead the followers along. But Abby saw that just approaching the tree would do no good, because what would happen when she reached it? She would be crushed along with many others as this desperate crowd fought their way forward, hoping for an answer to their despair. The people did not seem lost anymore. They actually had hope. They believed there was a goal, a destination, not far ahead. But Abby knew it wouldn't be so easy. So to buy time, she headed off to the right side of the tree, as if they were going to walk on by. This move demoralized her following. They seemed to think that arriving at the tree would end their search. The voice in her mind said, You must go around, not too close and not too far away. And so she curved, and the immense throng curved with her. And still more people joined the march. For it had become a real march, a purposeful, ever-increasing mass movement circumnambulating the tree. And Abby suddenly knew that the tree was the center of the world, the only way that people could tell where they were and where they were going. She had to navigate their course around the tree and move closer to its shining silver trunk and dark leaves. The tree could provide shelter and purpose to all because as they marched, the tree grew larger and seemed not only the center of the world, but as big as the world, the protector and creator of meaning for all. The thought struck Abby with relief so intense that she burst into tears of happiness. She felt herself in Wendy's warm embrace and wept on her shoulder. As she recovered, Wendy handed her the bowl of paint and a brush and led her to a stone along the wall where she could climb up and mark off a vacant square of wall. Blinking through tears, she made signs with the brush that referred to her field of people, the tree and the long march. It did not take long. In a daze of happiness, they began the journey home. Wendy watched Abby carefully on the way back. As night fell, they reached the little house in the hill. Abby was hungry for dinner, but had no need to talk, except to ask for more cider about five times. Her face seemed to be shining. After eating, she fell asleep in her chair, and Wendy guided her to bed. The following day, Abby awoke at dawn remembering the details of her journey underground. She drank three glasses of water 
and slept until lunchtime. Wendy laid out a tempting feast. Abby was starving and ate enough for two meals, but still spoke only enough to ask for more. She was incredibly thirsty. After lunch, she wandered out to the beech woods. It was another beautiful day with bright sunshine and a delicious breeze. She strolled here and there, looking at trees and visiting the entrance to the underground way. After returning for another glass of cider, she walked down the hill and sat by the stream for an hour. Wendy was brewing something in her workshop. It was not food for the kitchen, but one of her medicinal concoctions of wild plants. Strange odors floated out of her narrow window and down to the stream. Abby knew Wendy was capable of spending long hours, weeks, perhaps months, working obsessively on her medicines. But Abby had no need of Wendy at that moment. She was visualizing every detail of her experience, her journey, her vision, her drawing, and hearing every word Wendy had said. She didn't try to force herself to do this. It just happened naturally, like a thirsty person drinking water. She went over parts of her recollection several times, and then her mind roved over her whole life, integrating this new experience in ways that changed her map of the world and her understanding of the nature and potential of humans. When she re-entered the house, Wendy was nowhere to be found. Abby waited impatiently. She finally had a need to talk. When Wendy returned with a canvas bag full of wild plants, she took one look at Abby and sat nearby. I see. You're getting back to normal and probably full of questions. That was beyond amazing. It'll be with me my whole life. And I'm very glad. Hmm. I'm sure there's a but coming. But I still don't know what to do. About my life, I mean. I need news from Middletown. I've got to put my vision to work. But I don't know if I'll get the chance. I just want a chance to try. Her eyes filled with tears. I think I could do better now, but but I need something to work with. I suspected as much. Wendy gave a big smile, and the light was dancing in her eyes. I found Phoebe's father and asked him to send Chi-Chi here right away. He'll probably arrive tomorrow morning. Uh, how do you read my mind like that? Oh... I'm not reading your mind, but I know you. After all, you're a lot like me. I saw your expression after your vision. I saw your picture, and I imagined how your mind would work. You left Middletown in a crisis and want to hear developments. Our journey, your experience, may be able to guide you. Abby nodded. Do you want to hear about it? Of course. I want to hear anything you choose to say. 
This is an important time for both of us. Abby told the story of her vision and her thoughts about it, as well as describing the stunning expansion of her sense of the underground world and the history of human life. It's still a shock to me. I need to make it practical now. I can't just sit here thinking. This is meant to be put to use. I have ideas, and I'm sure you do too. Yes, let's hear your ideas. I'm not sure I want to tell you. They're such a jumble. It's embarrassing. And everything depends on whether I can continue in the churchyard or whether that has become impossible. At least now I truly want to continue. Before I was sick of the whole thing. Wendy looked off into space. Hmm. Do you want to know what I think? Oh, stop teasing me. I'm aching to hear, as you well know. Wendy smiled. I'm so happy to see your energy coming back. Okay, I need some news, just as you do. But I'll tell you what I suspect. You should return and resume the life you've begun. Not attempting any big things right now. Just trying to be normal and waiting on events. You've made a nice start. You should continue as before. Do your gardening, talk to talk, and just as important, do your preschool job. I have a strong feeling about that. Get a routine of gardening and working at the preschool every day. Delay big decisions. And people who want to do radical things in the near future, delay them. Like your vision, start by listening. Do plenty of that. Wendy paused and studied Abby's expression. A well of doubt and frustration boiled up in her face. But why will they want me at the preschool now that people in Middletown hate me? And Tuck is probably fired. Nothing is ever normal there. I'm supposed to go to Evansville and talk to Amy Z about things I hardly understand. Sonny is under terrible pressure from the government and the Morphe organization. These enemies are angry and have money to burn. And everyone expects me to do something. Abby was about to cry again. It's true. A lot depends on what Chi-Chi has to say. You need him as an advisor. I'd like you to return together. And Abby, you can visit Rivergate or Evansville if you like. Just don't try to change the world right now. Calm everyone down. Find people and listen. Watch events develop. And that's enough for now. Let's eat and feed the crows. You need another ten hours of sleep. Shadows were growing in the room. The light was dim. Wendy pulled the thick curtains covering the two tiny windows. During dinner, Abby tried to put the whole subject out of her mind and dreaded trying to sleep. She was so excited by Wendy's faith in the future 
that her heart beat faster. Her thoughts raced over a bewildering variety of things. When the time came to lie down, she was distracted from her obsessions by Wendy humming strange tunes, even singing words in her broken voice. Abby grew calmer, and as she drifted into sleep, she caught a few words. It's heaven all for free, right here and right now. It happens all around us, no one knows how. Thanks for listening. Episode number seven is coming soon. To hear all the episodes, please go to our website, www.protectorsofthewood.com. Time has flown by like the wind in the trees. Who knows where it comes from, where it's going, you can't see. When you were a child, it seems like yesterday. The years have gone by like an afternoon at play. How do I long for your glowing face? Like a love that I have lost. Please give me peace before I'm torn apart. I'm just one of many living with an aching heart. Who can be the keeper? Of the world we love Can it live forever In the life above Long ago you asked me How can I know And when it's all over Where does it go? I may be down the line